0: Greetings everyone, it is now time for Marked Safe, tales of your very favorite and
1: most beloved man-made disasters. On Marked Safe we discuss events and details that some may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Please listen responsibly. And now, here with your hosts Brianne and Melanie, this is Marked Safe.
0: How's that beverage?
1: It's chewy.
0: We are talking about orange juice.
1: And I realized that one of the important things that I need to know about a person. Well, two of the important things. i These are the things that you have to find out before you start a podcast with somebody called what is your blood type so I can understand how much mosquitoes want to eat you and how do you feel about orange juice pulp. (laughs) these are the questions of our times i think we may be the same blood
0: type and we both like chewy orange juice
1: yes that's true we did have the same answers for both i I wonder positive so we're a delicious mosquito feast
0: i wonder if the way you like your orange juice is directly affected by your blood type that would be an interesting study you should
1: do it in your free time
0: oh yeah <laughs> Go on to that. look for that
1: study guys in <laughs> melanie's free time
0: <laughs> oh my
1: gosh uh yeah i get the um i, I want to say it's simply orange high pulp and it's like when you get it the top they like the top because it's got a bottleneck the top like three inches ends up being like a blockage of pulp and you have to shake it really really hard or you'll try to pour it and just nothing comes out and that is what i need i like my milk like that too like oh
0: like the what? real milk with the heavy cream on top no yes you just no. like scoop it out and okay you cannot want backyard chickens and not like okay real milk
1: you, you don't even know me do you <laughs> if you if you have been listening, you will know that I do not want backyard chickens. I just like backyard chickens. Mm-mm. I no don't actually want them because I know damn well I would be like, why the fuck did I do this? So you don't like chickens. Oh, I don't want to own every single thing I like. I'm not the audio guy. <laughs> that That is on brand for him. I can appreciate a creature from afar i like mermaids i don't want to own one i like mermaids too i like you i don't want to own you
0: are you sure about that i'm lots of fun (laughs) there's it's like they have that kid's book too where it's um uh something about like you don't want to own a unicorn or something i don't know ava brought it home and it's just about like unicorn shitting all over the house and (laughs) It's a mess. Like, they're beautiful, but you don't want to actually keep them.
1: No. 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 It's it's the same way for backyard chickens for me. If I had a friend who had a backyard chicken, I would desperately want to visit it. And if, if I could touch it, that would be a gift. Um, if I could have its egg, that would be another gift. Um, if I could spend some time in its company, also a gift. But, um yeah i don't really realistically want the daily upkeep of backyard chicken that's we my have, hot take we have backyard bunnies we our neighbors have front yard bunnies we've talked about that before
0: no did you see um so i was washing my grill the other day and i was spraying it down with the hose and then cody was like what's that sound what's that sound And it was just all these little, and these two baby bunnies come running out of the bush that was next to where I was scrubbing it. And Ava, she's wanted to be a vet like her whole entire life. And she's standing there and she's like, I, this is what I've been preparing for. Oh my God. So we're like trying not to touch them and like we got them herded back into their house. But yeah, I was like totally (laughs) soaking their home. I didn't know, but we were gonna mow that afternoon, so it's kind. I it probably saved them by because now I know that that they're there, and I'm not gonna mow there anymore.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah, they're really cute. They're so tiny. Is there a picture? Oh yeah. It's come to my attention that I've I've missed a lot of pictures because I've I've had. Things happening this you week. have mostly had bad things a <gasps> a i found it i found the picture
0: isn't it cute now if you zoom in oh. you can see how tiny it is because look at the water droplets on it
1: okay i'm gonna
0: the water droplets are like bigger than its eyeball oh they're fresh little babies oh. we are, are full there? spring um, there was two that came out, so i don't I don't know what the deal is. But like an hour before that, we were because we were working on the yard and like cleaning up the grill and doing all this stuff, and I'm like planting some more vegetables. And I was walking to my garden box like an hour before the bunny thing happened, and a snake went between my feet. So we are in like full Louisiana Spring, yeah. <laughs> And then the kids are jumping on the trampoline, and Aria's just like, there's a beetle. And Cody's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why are all the animals coming out right now? Mm. But, but yeah, we're, we're full spring. Um, I actually used one of your quotes the other day. Um, well, not your quote, but a quote from your episode. Um, so we have wasps really bad here, too, in the springtime yeah and well yeah you I've shown you pictures of my ass because they sting me a lot (laughs) but one got in the house okay so I went upstairs to the demon loft to grab some wrapping paper right and Mm -hmm. I opened the door and a wasp came out so I think there's wasps in my demon loft
1: I mean I think that's more than a think
0: yeah well the ceilings in here are really tall so um Natalie in our mom group was saying a long time ago how her grandma, I think it was her grandma, used to take the vacuum cleaner and just suck up the wasps while they were flying by. And that's oh, how she, it's so fucking smart. It is like the most brilliant hack I've ever been told about anything.
1: My S- husband's grandmother just grabs them out of the air with her hand. No,
0: yes, no, no, no. Because she isn't.
1: An- unnecessarily a hardcore old lady from west virginia
0: yeah so i have cody on this ladder right we pull out the ladder because this thing is like super high and i'm like sitting there with um like a we call it the whacker dacker it's one of those <laughs> elect you got, i
1: thought i could safely and discreetly yawn <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you
0: I have to whip that out. The Wacker Dacker? The Wacker Dacker. So it's like a fly swatter, but it's like the electrical kind. You push a button and go zit, zit. Mm -hmm. So I have like the handheld vacuum and the Wacker Dacker. And he's got the real vacuum, and he's on the ladder with the real vacuum. And so I'm just like backup. Like if it comes flying at me, I'm, you know, I can get it. So we get it. It starts moving down. And Cody gets off the ladder for some reason, and I'm like, because he couldn't reach him. So he's, like, trying to adjust, and I'm like, no, you can reach him now. I was like, get the fuck back on board, for Christ's sake. (laughs) And he was like, what? (laughs) What does that mean? And I'm like, get it. But we got him. So the vacuum worked. Thanks, Natalie and your grandma. (laughs) And the whacker-dacker.
1: Oh, that was... And that was our episode. That was the saga for the ages.
0: That's <laughs> it. That's
1: All you need.
0: Gosh, I miss you. I haven't really talked to you, so I'm like, I have to tell you all these things that have happened to me this week.
1: Yes, but. it's been it's been tumultuous in my life recently. Um, but we're here. We're here, and we're here. We're alive, and. Uh, I have a TikTok saved in my phone that I'm just sending to anyone who asks if I'm doing okay this week. We have one of our little ones going home after a year and a half, and uh, I have a TikTok saved in my phone to send to anybody who asks if I'm alright, and it is Ghost Honey, who is a treasure and a gift to the world. Yes. And yes, I'm. I'm glad you're familiar with Ghost Honey. That's that's uh, becoming a factor in my life. <laughs> um, and somebody asks if he is okay, and he says, "No." And then he says, "Will I be okay by the end of the day? Will I be okay eventually? Probably by the end of the day? No." that's too soon. It's <laughs> no, too soon. Um, and that is the mood here. God, so foster I,
0: parenting is—I can't imagine.
1: I wish I could hug you. I can't imagine either, though. Somebody help! Oh. <laughs> people think that we have some kind of uh special something <laughs> to do this. Unfortunately, we don't at all. It just sucks. That's yeah. all. I think there actually is, like, a, a rare and special breed. I know a couple foster parents who who have that thing that I think people think all foster parents have. Um, but most of us don't. <laughs>
0: I just so. couldn't imagine, like, caring for a child for almost two years and then...
1: Yeah, I can't either. So I thought for a minute, I was like, maybe I'm going to have to sit this week out. <laughs> And then I was like, no, you know, not th- it's recording is so fun and I love it. And honestly, it's a good distraction. And I'm really excited about this episode and I had it pretty close to done. So I wrapped it up. It's ready to roll. I'm very excited. I am um, I will just put it out there now that this is coming in the next couple of weeks. I don't know how rough it might be. This is our first um, kiddo going home since we've been doing this and i don't know how rough it's gonna be so there could come a week where i you
0: need a break simply
1: cannot yeah but it
0: wasn't this week so here we are well we're gonna accommodate any way we can
1: hopefully we won't need to um <laughs> because recording is fun <laughs> therapeutic awesome. a little bit it is but research is a lot it is a freaking lot Um, So there could come a week in the upcoming month or so if it happens. I'm sorry, everybody. But like I said, it's not happened today. So let's jump into our animal bracket. Yeah. Okay. So this is
0: our very last because we have a 16 animal bracket. So the way we're going to do it today is the last of the animals. So next week, since we've already kind of gotten the hot takes on all of them, I'm sure she'll add more. Um, we will do the final eight together and all one big swoop. And then the week after that, final four, final two, we'll have our champion. And then we will start, um, the cryptid, cryptid. Blah, blah, I can't even talk. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah. So we're getting real close to that. So if you have a cryptid that you want to see, let us
1: know. Um, i'm hoping that although they're no longer cryptids giant pandas make it to the list oh my gosh they used to be cryptids did they Hmm. Mm Hmm. i can't believe you don't know that melanie i'm gonna
0: have to tell ava
1: hold on giant it's her favorite animal cryptid watch me find out live on air that i'm full of shit uh yeah no cryptid chronicles 10 beasts that used to be mythical and, hold on. Do I they like have the it pandas. scary, though? I don't, I don't think it was scary. Because
0: um, Ava remember. is not happy with the me and the riguru right now. Which, <laughs> by the way, Patreons, um, active Patreons right now, I just sent out a grip of postcards. A grip? Nice word. A grip of postcards um, today for you guys with the Rougarou with
1: to get you ready. They're so mm-hmm fucking cool they're really cool they're adorable i bought a matching shirt (laughs) unfortunately i'm not one of our patreons so i don't have one but i've seen them and they're very cool okay hold on i gotta tell you about the pandas real quick before we get into this um today these mostly vegetarian black and white bears are among the most famous animals in the world however they were practically unknown for centuries even in china indeed although chinese artists have constantly depicted black bears and bamboo forests since ancient times the giant panda was never depicted until the 20th century rumors and reports of a strange white bear found in chinese mountains were regarded as myths until 1869 when french missionary armand david sent the skin of a hunted specimen to europe it was only then that pandas were finally accepted by scientists as a real animal Giant pandas were finally seen alive by a European in 1916, which, you know, being seen by a European, that, that's hmm. how you become real. When <laughs> Zerman zoologist um, Hugo Weigold got to buy and see and buy a cub. Of course, he he had to buy it. He couldn't just see it. Um, yeah. So they were. Oh, my God. Apparently, giraffes were cryptic Okay. This so, is a so
0: you're basically saying there's a chance when it comes to yeti and bigfoot
1: uh yeah that's exactly what i'm saying giant squids pythons komodo dragons well komodo dragons are real tigers i don't i don't know about that i have to read more about that (laughs) i'm not going to right now but i am hoping that the giant panda because i just it really does give me hope for the others
0: but see then that freaks me out because then you'll be like the panda's gonna win all the way. It's I don't like think your because ra- ha- it, it looks too much like a raccoon.
1: I don't know if no, we should put it on there. It's not a raccoon. I, I don't really necessarily have special feelings about a panda. Um, I'll tell you when we get into cryptid if I think of anything that is un- unbeatable. I don't think I have anything. I am pretty fond of Nessie, but not, she's not unbeatable. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right.
0: So this week your animals are. And I like to call these the leftovers, the manatee <laughs> and the honey badger.
1: Okay. That was kind of a tough one at first because, I mean, those are both reasonable animals. I think this kind of matchup is what I pictured when we started doing this. Um, so, manatees. I, I have a list on my phone. I have a, a factor list in my notes documents thing for each animal and it says manatees called a sea cow but not really as cute as that name would imply and that's the only factor i have in my manatee list because i googled them and i was like oh they're called sea cows and i loved it and i was like yeah i I bet they're adorable and i looked at a couple pictures and i was like they're kind of not that adorable
0: do you know they back in the day like Way back in the day. They were mirsta- mistaken. <laughs> they were, <laughs> I do know. They were know. <laughs> mistaken. They were mistaken for mermaids.
1: I do. And that is, that's cool. So I saw one and I was like, yeah, I mean, okay. Sure, I guess they're kind of cute. But then, I, I don't know. They they have an unsatisfying cuteness. Well, okay, here's, here's the thing with honey badgers. First of all, I'm a Hufflepuff. So that's our creature. I don't know if the Hufflepuff animal is specifically a honey badger, but I think it is. Second of all, we all know they don't give a fuck, and that is the energy that I'm trying to take with me into the next few months. Um, spears bounce off of them, arrows too. They can sleep off a snake. Wait a bite. minute.
0: Wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait, wait. You got to back that truck up. I have beep, never. Spears? Beep, beep. Who- yes. Who is throwing spears at honey honey badgers?
1: Dude, do you know about honey badgers? Probably everybody.
0: No, I don't know about honey badgers. I'm relying on you for this animal bracket. Did you
1: miss the whole honey badgers don't give a shit thing? I missed it. What? Melody, what the fuck? What are you talking? Are
0: you talking about the sentence you just said? Because I was listening when you said they don't give a fuck. (sighs) And that's the energy one. No, 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 Am I missing a pop culture reference? You were, yes. What were
1: you doing in 2011? Um, Probably drinking. Apparently way too much.
0: What was I doing in 2011? Uh... I wish you could see my face right now. I don't know what I was doing in
1: 2011. You were drunk. No. Okay. Holy shit. It has its own Wikipedia page called The Crazy Nasty Ass Honey Badger. It says, The Crazy Nasty Ass Honey Badger is a YouTube viral video and internet meme that first appeared on the internet in January of 2011. The video features commentary by a narrator identified only as randall dubbed over pre-existing nat geo wild footage of honey badgers accompanying the narration is some some music uh i was definitely drunk in 2011 i'm thinking about it now girl you must have been in a blackout
0: (laughs) because i mean this well i lived on the beach i didn't really do that stuff
1: it was a whole thing okay holy shit i don't even know you anymore holy shit i i i feel like i have to explain an entire concept to you right now and i was gonna kind of just zoom through this because it was kind of easy and i've got kind of a big episode but now apparently we need to spend some time on honey badgers what the fuck melanie so it was a video i bet even Aunt Veda knows about this yes okay it was it's three minutes longer i would just play it for you right now it is a honey badger and it's like national geographic footage And it is roaming through the world, killing everything because honey badgers. Is this the crazy,
0: nasty ass honey badger? Yes. Do you suddenly remember it? I have never seen this in my life. Who are you? Are they all crazy, nasty ass
1: honey badgers? Yes, they are vicious. Hmm. Okay, you know what? No, we're clapping out. You need to watch this three-minute video right now. Thanks for the treat, stupid. <laughs> are, you, are you a changed woman now? Okay,
0: I'm not going to lie. I'm a little teary-eyed. Uh, <laughs> I got a little lump in my throat because I thought you just showed me a video of a honey badger dying.
1: Oh, it, okay. Wow. I just... I, I, I I'm trying to think of another thing like another meme or like internet occurrence that was comparably big to say this is like you missing grumpy cat how about grumpy cat yeah i know grumpy Grumpy Cat? cat hey i'm allowed to miss one or two right i mean i guess but this would be comparable to you having missed grumpy cat you've never seen the goonies okay listen I I didn't come here to be attacked. (laughs) I thought you didn't give a shit. I thought you don't know that for sure. Have you seen the
0: Goonies? No. Okay. But you don't care because you're a
1: honey badger. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck it. So here we go. That's disgusting. So manatees called a sea cow. Not as cute as that would make you think. Honey badgers. I'm a Hufflepuff. They don't give a fuck. Spears bounce off of them. Arrows bounce off of them. As you just saw, they can sleep off a snake bite. Also, they can break the shell of a tortoise with their strong ass teeth. And I really don't care for tortoises. <laughs> so, I'm not saying I necessarily wish that on a tortoise. Because I don't. That's kind of horrifying. But Yeah, because they live a long fucking time. I wish they wouldn't. I think that's weird. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> This I feel like Tag would be super here
0: upset about this. Oh, he will.
1: He wants one. He's he's going to be very upset tomorrow.
0: Oh, man. Maybe you should edit this episode. I don't know if his
1: precious if ears can, it, can handle li- this. If I edit it, he'll still listen to it. God damn. That was so, savage. Yeah. I mean, the honey badger wins. Well, I'm after that video. I'm, cause I, I, I agree. Because I like peaceful animals usually, but... You know, at this at this moment in my life, it's got to be a honey badger.
0: Hmm. And there we I, go. I dig it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, are you ready to get into our episode? Let's do it. I sure am. Uh, so we are going to do part two of Black Heroism. I love it. Last it, episode was so good. <laughs> it was almost part two and three, but I lost my nerves. So now it's part two. Brand, Unless I get you got to stop this. losing your nerve. I know.
0: People Unless I love get halfway this through
1: this and then I realize we're three hours in and then I'm like, oh, maybe it is going to be a part three. <laughs> um, we'll see. It's probably going to be two. So let's jump right into this. When we left off. Last week, well, my last episode, so two weeks ago, in Answered in the Dark, Osceola had just donated her life's earnings to form a college scholarship fund. And we're going to pick up braiding these stories together like we did last episode. Um, at the end, that kind of falls apart a little because we get into such modern times. They're all kind of on top of each other. But I had fun doing that, so we're going to get back to it. Uh, when she was 62... And running a laundry service, a baby named Alwyn was born 600 miles away in Florida. He graduated high school the year I was born in 1988 and enlisted in the Army straight out of high school where he would have a long career. He served as an infantryman. Is it in- infantryman or man? Men, Man. It's man, right? Neither
0: one sounds right. It should be infantry person. This is 2021. <laughs> Ah, but this wasn't
1: 2021. <laughs> I know. I'm being a dick. Sorry. It's okay. You've got some honey badger in your spirit now. But which is it? Infantryman? Infantryman? Infantry person in both the Gulf War and Iraq. You've <laughs> been in for 17 years when, because you, you're not helping me with this. You don't no, you know? I don't. You don't? So you're just going to look at Infantryman. Infantryman. They both sound wrong now, don't they? They do. Uh-huh. It's Someone probably not else. even a word. No, it's a word. <laughs> He's he, with you. he had been in for 17 years when one evening in October of 2005 would write his name into history. He was with his platoon in Iraq doing a route clearance, which is where a team goes out to establish a certain path as being free of IEDs and safe for travel. But unfortunately, it wasn't safe, which is what they found out when a pressure switch victim-activated IED exploded under their Bradley fighting vehicle, which victim-activated. What a phrase. Yeah. Which um, looks similar to the classic image of a tank, but it's technically, by definition, not a tank. But if you're picturing a tank, you're basically picturing the right thing. Um, The detonation hit the fuel cell, engulfing the vehicle in flames instantly. Jeez. Jeez. Fortunately, Elwyn didn't get it too bad in the initial explosion. He was covered with fuel, injured but not terribly. He had been in the gunner's hatch on top and made his way out, then navigated to the burn driver, pulled him out, and put that guy out. He was actively burning. And at this point, Elwin had a choice. He was more or less safely evacuated. There had been eleven people in the vehicle, ten soldiers and a translator, including him. And he'd already saved the life of one man, and one other guy had already freed himself. Alwyn's uniform was completely saturated with fuel.
0: That's not good.
1: No. Fire was pouring from every opening of the vehicle. It was probably time to cut his losses. But he didn't. He re-entered the vehicle as he became engulfed in flames,
0: pulling out
1: soldier after soldier this is this is dark so you know cover your ears i don't know maybe that's not the advice a podcaster should give their listeners (laughs) but this it's a it's we're in too deep yeah yeah um so he would pull out one person and at this point he was fully burning just completely on fire so he would pull out a person, lay the person on the ground, and then go back for another, still burning. He continued to lead his men, like, not just pull them out, but just, like, lead the situation while he was on fire. And I don't mean, like, his sleeve was on fire. I mean, he's just He's fucking on fire. on fire, yeah. His clothes burned off of him. His body armor burned off of him. And I mean, this this shit's not made of saran wrap. So that's that's sustained flames for a while. Right, right. Um, the first sergeant arrived and took over, evacuating all the men. But Alwyn refused medevac until everyone else had been taken, despite being the most severely injured of the men. The translator was killed. Three men were killed. Six men were saved. Alwyn was treated in Iraq by Major Mark... and mark rasnick wrote a letter home that night that said i met a hero last night i did not realize it at the time this is a place where the word hero is tossed around day in and day out so much that you sometimes lose sight of its true meaning his story reminded me of it elwin had horrendous injuries which included second and third degree burns over 72 percent of his body oh my gosh that is that's a lot he had hypothermia, which is counterintuitively a part of severe burn injuries because you simply don't have your skin anymore. I'd never realized that. Yeah. You need your skin for thermal regulation. So, I mean, once the fire's out, you don't have any more skin. So there's nothing to do it. Wow. So, I don't. Yeah, I've never
0: heard of that.
1: Okay. Ask me about paradoxal undressing because that's my other 3 a.m. rabbit hole that i love to go down about hypothermia. Um, do you know about paradoxal undressing? Have we talked about this? No. And it is absolutely neither here nor there, but I am so fascinated by it. I'm sure you know when people are about to die of hypothermia, they will take their clothes off. Um, because, uh, this is not part of this episode, so I did not just research this. But if I remember correctly, it's that your blood vessels have been, like in your arms and legs and everything, have been constricted to keep all of your blood at your core. Right. But after a while, they become exhausted and collapse. And then all your blood rushes back and you feel like you're having like a horrible hot flash. So you'll start taking your clothes off because you feel like you're just burning up all of a sudden. And that's, I, I think, pretty much right before you die. And also terminal burrowing have you heard of terminal burrowing no but that sounds f- pretty ominous isn't it a lot of times when you're about to die of hypothermia you will like burrow like you'll go like a bunny un- yes like you'll go under a car or under a bed or like in the bottom shelf of a bookcase or something so a lot of times people find hypothermia victims and they think they've been murdered because they're, they're in, in the strangest yes, places. Yes, they're in these strange, messed up positions. But it's called terminal burrowing. Right before you die, a lot of times you will strip naked and burrow. It's it's a it's a uh, brainstem thing. Strip naked and burrow. I know. So that that's that's like lately my favorite midnight Wikipedia rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that did not happen to Alwyn. <laughs> Um, but he did have fucked up hypothermia. He was intubated. he had to have incisions made in his limbs so they could swell without the skin ripping. Mm. The real kicker about this whole thing is that he when he got out of the vehicle he was fine. he was barely injured like he would have walked all away from of his it.
0: injuries were sustained from yes saving people were
1: voluntary and they were solely to save the lives of these men who he was still asking about when he arrived at the hospital in iraq once he got there he needed to be evacuated to germany for higher level care but he wasn't stable enough but it had to happen so he was loaded onto a plane for germany and he was in the air for six hours and the entire time every single breath he took came from a manually squeezed bag after he got to germany after a while he was sent to texas for more intensive treatment but after three weeks he died of his injuries oh shit you're starting like that yeah yeah and the the real dark ones are just like peppered randomly in this episode so you'll have like a weird little wholesome feel-good story that's not really dark at all and then you'll have somebody having incisions made in his leg so they don't split and then dying Welcome welcome to my episode. Um, There's a whole big thing after, because the army gave him a silver star and they declined to give him the higher medal, uh, higher medal, higher honor of a medal of honor, supposedly because they, quote, were not in active combat. What? Mm -hmm. However, first of all, I think burning to death from a God blessed IED is active combat. Um, But also, plot twist, he actually was, because what they didn't realize initially was that the entire time he was burning and rescuing these men, they were taking enemy gunfire all around them. So did they fix it? Well, the Silver Star, hold on, we're getting there. Silver Star is a very high honor, but it's not the actual highest, and almost immediately there were people um, campaigning to have it upgraded. And the doctor who treated him and wrote that letter said the discussions we had were, you know, if his actions don't deserve the Medal of Honor, we had trouble imagining anything that would. Right. Yeah. It's been a years long battle because the time frame for upgrading awards needed to be extended because I think I want to say it was five years. Um, And it had passed at the time they were still trying to do this. But it did finally get extended. And an award ceremony was set for January of this year. But unfortunately, the insurrection at the Capitol made that impossible. And God... <laughs> <laughs> he is now set to receive the honor any day. They said it would be in Biden's presidency when hopefully the Capitol won't be getting infiltrated. But I don't think they have announced an official date. Um, and in 2020, Elwyn's 23-year-old son, Andrew, enlisted in the army. Aww. Saying that he wanted to do it to become a man and better his life. And he appears to be currently enlisted as an infantry person. Oh. <laughs> uh, yep.
0: That was... That's rough. And fucking... Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me so... Oh, I'm feeling lots of stuff right now. Buckle up. There's more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That whole...
1: Insurrection just. Uh huh. Yeah, that I was. I I got to that too, and it, I was just. The they finally arrested those me. two numbnuts. Did they? Which two? The ones the whole, that were responsible
0: for the officer.
1: Oh, I don't think. Was I, it the
0: officer's death? I've
1: kind of been um in a place that I think probably a lot of people are right now, where I am relieved to feel like I can take my eyes off of the news cycle for a minute because everything's not in such dire peril right now. Right. Um, but I really should be paying more attention right now. Um, so, I, I mean, I could totally be wrong. I was, I followed
0: that, um, that Instagram, um, page homegrown terrorist hmm. where, um, have you heard of that? Mm-mm. I'm not on Instagram. It's, It's awesome. Um, So basically when all that went down, they were taking pictures and identifying them so they could get arrested. It was like a
1: whole thing. I like it. I like doxing insurrectionists. Insurrectionists. Those Um, guys. Those numbnuts. You know who I mean.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. I could be wrong on that news thing. I have been wrong many times, so don't quote me on that. (laughs) Something happened today. Seems (laughs) like good
1: news. (laughs) (laughs) So, when Alwyn was a sophomore in high school, 666 miles away, which I hate, a baby boy named Jabbar was born in your neck of the woods in New Orleans. Hmm. Jabbar was an energetic, unstoppable toddler with the nickname Peter Jackrabbit. Oh, I love that. I know. He grew up in the projects, raised by his aunt when his mom was unable to do it, but he had an air of just authority, composure, and humor that could not be dampened by his circumstances whatsoever. His energy stayed with him through high school, where he was an athletic class clown, He dated a girl named Sharina before and after high school and he had a baby girl with her and then another three years later. Unfortunately, things weren't going well by his sophomore year of high school and he got kicked out of school. Oh, and by the way, hold on. Before I go any further, I want to say that this one specifically, I really leaned on one specific article. Buzz Sprout had a freaking phenomenal long form article about this buzzfeed buzz Buzz are hosting
0: site (laughs) see and i
1: was thinking i was like hold on which one's the which one's the podcast one yes uh buzzfeed you know i know buzzfeed had an absolutely incredible long form article and usually i mean i don't especially in a compilation episode i'm not going to name every source in the middle of the episode everything that we ever reference can be found in the show notes so i'm not usually going to be like and then you know like i'm writing a college paper or something but i i did pull almost his entire story from that one article because it was so good so i i would feel wrong not acknowledging that
0: well sometimes those deserve shout outs too like it's good to go back and read them
1: Yes, and it really is an interesting article. There's a whole side thing with his mom that I didn't even get into because, I mean, it's not, like, super relevant, but it was very interesting. And I didn't want to just wholesale lift the entire plot of their story. Right? Um, But you should absolutely read that. I think it's it's the best article in my very extensive sources this time. Um, Okay, so he got kicked out of school when he got involved with what the article called a group of older boys who had their run of the projects. He needed to fight a lot to protect himself and his siblings, which he learned how to do from his father. He found ways to make money and provide for himself and his family. Were the ways always legal? No, he worked in a flea market and he did odd jobs, but there was also gambling and small time drug dealing. Now, what is small-time drug dealing i don't know one article called him a kingpin like 10 articles called him a small-time drug dealer i don't know that i don't know um he used a lot of that money to provide for his siblings buying them anything from food to gifts to new shoes attending their traveling sports events and taking them out to dinner his siblings even the ones who were only a couple years younger than him flat out saw him as a father right And everyone in his neighborhood saw him as a leader and a caretaker with this natural authority. So, that was his life in 2005. And I don't think I need to remind anybody what 2005 in New Orleans meant. Right. (laughs) Katrina rolled in with a vengeance, and Jabbar sheltered in a motel with his friend, huddling in the room as the windows exploded with the wind. But that was just the beginning that that wasn't even the bad part. His neighborhood was wrecked and the levees were not going to hold. When they were breached, things went all the way to shit. The power went out, it stayed out, there was no food, the water was rising, completely obliterating neighborhoods. Um the mosquitoes alone were a massive problem. I don't know his blood type, but imagine if we had <laughs> a positive. <laughs> They're so bad here. Yeah, and, I, it, and there really just is really thing standing, with mosquitoes and blood types.
0: Yeah, and then just the standing water
1: alone. I can't fucking imagine. Mm, no, God, no. I mean, I've had just kind of a marshy backyard after a heavy rain, and it's its unbearable. I can't even imagine. We get um, those trucks, too. Uh, you'll, we'll probably
0: wind up recording one of those here soon, because they should be starting their route soon. They had these Oh, the trucks that come by to spray the mosquitoes, and it's super fucking
1: loud. It's just all like, <laughs> oh and It's God. real scary if you don't know what's going on. So, mosquitoes, not good. People needed their prescriptions. They had no way to get them. Apartments were sweltering with no power. Everybody's toilets were filled with waste. A lot of people were honestly just waiting to die. A lot of people had evacuated, but a lot more... Didn't have any way to do that. They, I mean, were they going to stay home and ride it out in their sturdy brick buildings? Or were they going to set out on foot in a hurricane, completely exposed? If you didn't have a car, I mean, which is the safer bet? <laughs> I know at the time people got a lot of shit when it was like, well, we told you to evacuate and you didn't and now you're fucked. <sighs> no, it wasn't like that, though. Like, no. even if they
0: did, there was just no way. There wasn't enough yeah. time. Sorry. Yeah.
1: I just need to cover it. I'm waiting. Also, I would like to tell you that you have been falsely advertising an upcoming episode about bouncy houses since before this this podcast started.
0: Yeah, I really need to get on that. I keep going. I keep finding these crazy episodes.
1: Okay, well, find a bouncy house episode. It's been almost a year. Ooh, you should do that for our one year.
0: Yes. How about that? Okay. That will be my one-year episode for you.
1: Yay, thank you. Um, so, yeah, I know I know people got some crap for that. I don't like it at all. Um, so some people were still there, basically waiting to die. And Jabbar and his crew tried to find a vehicle to escape, but there were just, like, a lot of moving parts in that plan. From gas to functionality, and it just kind of fell through. But staying put meant death. And this next part is so interesting to me because Jabbar and some friends saw a school bus passing. Now, if that were me, this is why I'm not on any list like this. If that were me, I would be like, thank God, rescue's here. Let me just hop on the school bus. But that's not what happened. They did see the school bus as a good thing, but not in that way. Jabbar flagged it down to ask where the driver had gotten the bus what right like is that not some out-of-the-box thinking that's fucking smart as shit yes so they asked the bus driver answered and then they made their way the 2.1 miles presumably on foot to the place that the driver had indicated and they found a barn full of school buses in disrepair with numbered keys but they tried key after key and none of them started until one did Oh. And that one was fully gassed up and ready to roll. So Jabbar hopped in, and in his own words, he learned how to drive it, quote, right then and there. <laughs> oh and, my God, I
0: love this so right? much. Right.
1: Now, if you've absorbed anything about what kind of guy he was to his siblings and family, it should not surprise you that instead of booking it for higher ground, which I think a lot of people would have, the sooner to find food and shelter for himself. He made a beeline for his flooded neighborhood, pulled up, and said, let's go. School buses can normally hold 48 adults, but people were sick, desperate, and ready to go. 60 people immediately boarded Jabbar's commandeered bus with their belongings, and they were ready to leave when the police showed up. Party poopers that they are. uh jabbar had been in all sorts of trouble with the law recently and he was well known to the cops so he bolted but not before handing somebody else the keys so the residents could still be taken to safety just by someone else the police ordered everybody off the bus but jabbar's mother this is the whole thing with his mom that i'm not even getting into there's a whole subplot with her um but please don't take this sentence to mean that she doesn't suck because she's the worst but his mother talked to them and basically said, "Look, he's gotten us this, this far. He's shown he can do this. These people are going to die. If you don't let him get them out, you're just going to have to do it." So they let Jabar come back, gave him back the keys, and told him get on the bus and don't stop. I don't fucking understand. <sighs> it's so vomit. There's a lot of there's a lot of cops in this story. Um, everybody piled back on, even more people than before, and the mood on the bus was elated. It was slap-happy, it sounds like. But it was not going to be an easy path to safety. Probably because of, like, you know, nature. Yeah, no, because of the police. Um, On the interstate, they encountered a police barricade and a group of cops detaining some other people who had tried to escape. Why are we detaining
0: people during a natural disaster? Super
1: gross Mississippi flood vibes. But he waited until they were distracted, and Jabbar carefully passed it by and just kept moving. Maybe toward Texas, maybe not. And the bus was packed to the gills. And Jabbar had taken personal responsibility for the people on it, making pit stops to buy people food, water, and diapers for their babies to the tune of more than a grand of his own money oh many of the people were injured ill they just i mean they weren't doing well like this they were not in a good place mentally emotionally physically but still like even though he is personally like shepherding these people and paying for things out of pocket he still kept taking on more refugees as he passed them on the road eventually finding out that the astrodome was being used to house refugees Now Jabar got his people there hours before FEMA got anyone there. And the people at the Astrodome tried to turn them away because they were only taking evacuees from the Superdome. But they did end up taking them. And I hate this. Jabar's story blew up for a while. And unfortunately, after that, he had several more run-ins with the law right after his renegade bus rescue and wound up catching a long sentence around 2010. I... Think he may still be in, but I'm not completely sure. I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not gonna dwell on the previous or subsequent encounters with the law anyone had, even though if you look up things about like two people on this list, that is a lot of the coverage you'll find. I'm not going to for three reasons. One, the media does enough of that. It's it's been done. Two, that's not what this episode is about. And three If there's a newspaper write-up about a black man, or anybody, but this is particularly insidious with people of color, but I mean, it's honestly, it's true of anybody. But if there's a newspaper write-up about a black man being arrested for selling drugs, like, does the article... Does it also provide a rundown of every good deed he ever did and the fact that he's a good dad and a talented artist and he always takes his cart back to the cart corral? No. No. So until that happens let's just stop pretending we're trying to be well-rounded when we sandwich like every good thing done by a black person with every bad thing they've ever done before or after i never understood that it's so fucking weird to me it's gross and i mean that's not even getting into the fact that saying well benny he had an encounter with the law doesn't necessarily mean what it would have us think it means because we're not even scratching the surface of systematic racism and the prison industrial complex so we've never had the kind of listener so far other than maybe jerry but like if we ever get bigger in the future and somebody listens to this and wants to come at me with well he's a criminal and you're leaving out the bad things he's done fuck off and come back to me when every mention of the bad things someone does comes with a disclaimer about the good things
0: we're gonna honey badger your ass
1: (laughs) yeah oh Actually, I forgot. We already actually do that for straight white college boys with promising futures and impressive lacrosse careers. Mm-hmm. So we're going to we're going to extend that treatment. And we're not we're not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, I don't I want to minimize it because some of these people, you know, eventually did things that were not great and people were affected by it. And that's unfortunate. But I do not like the way this is covered in the media. I think it's shitty. I think it's racist. And I'm not participating because technically I am part of the media now. <laughs> so, I'm not doing Yeah, that. I guess we are, huh? Yeah, it's weird. So, when Jabbar was a brand new 13-year-old teenager in New Orleans, over a thousand miles away in Pennsylvania, a baby named Tamar was born. We don't know too terribly much about his upbringing, but we do know that by the summer he was 15, he was a pretty regular kid. He was into skateboarding and biking. He was helpful enough to move a couch for his neighbor, which is way more helpful than I am. And then he was hanging out with his friend Chris, expecting a normal July afternoon. But something happened to change that. They found out that a little girl named Jocelyn had been abducted while playing in her yard right in their neighborhood. And he wasn't about it. If she had just been abducted right there in their own area, like how far could they really be at this point? Right. So... Tamara rounded up some friends and they went out on their bike searching they rode around on their bikes passing first responders canvassing the neighborhood everybody was kind of standing around talking but he suddenly had a gut feeling that he could not ignore so him and his friend chris split off from the rest of the people and biked a little ways and that is when Tamara saw something that was not right which was a car driving weird turning down side streets that it really didn't seem to have any business being on And seeming like it was avoiding areas with police. And that car was being driven by a crusty looking 73 year old man named Harold, who had been convicted of kidnapping and child molesting 25 years before that. Uh. I didn't know that, but that's who it was. So the boys looked in the windows and they saw Jocelyn in the passenger seat. And I will put content warnings with timestamps, but I don't want this to sneak up on anybody. So just skip like a minute or two. There will be a very brief mention of sexual assault. Um, So they followed him. They weren't going to let him out of their sight. But they didn't actually follow him. They chased him on their bikes for 10 to 15 minutes. Which, go set a timer for 15 minutes and imagine, imagine that you're furiously pedaling after a child abductor's car on your bike that whole time because that is intense and harold must have thought so too and he had already managed to assault jocelyn because he got spooked and he pushed her out of the car and jocelyn ran to tamara and told him she needed her mommy and he scooped her up and started pedaling for home with her on his bike and then realized that he wasn't like, it wasn't safe, the way they were riding. Oh. So he got off and carried her the rest of the way and then gave her to a firefighter. And he said it wasn't to get attention or anything. It was just to help somebody in the community. Just make, help make sure another little life was okay and that her future could be possible. Oh, when, my god. kid was 15. When Jocelyn gave her victim impact statement, which was recorded and played during Harold's trial, she said, I want you to stop hurting little kids.
0: So they caught him, like, they straight him. away. Yeah, and they
1: convicted him. I'm pretty sure he's still in jail.
0: Fuck yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. So it's a feel-bad story, but then a feel-good story. <laughs> it was short. This next one's actually even a little bit shorter. There's just not a lot to it. Um, but it's a good one. When tomorrow was 10 years old, a baby named Colby was born, a thousand miles away in Florida. I and love Colby, that name.
0: I know.
1: That that's was been, in the running for me for a long time. That's that's very on-brand for you. It's with an eye, though. I don't see you doing an eye. Hey, you don't know. Yeah, I guess I don't. Colby was not going to have to wait too far into his life for his big moment. He had not had the easiest life. He was diagnosed with autism, and it sounds like he had dealt with some stuff, maybe some bullying. Um, his mom described him as a troubled young man sometimes, which, Wow. Um, But when he was nine, he was enjoying an afternoon with his mom, Severia, who was an RN, in their apartment complex's pool. And the sensory input had kind of gotten to be a lot for him. He was ready to leave, but his mom still needed to gather up their stuff. So he was still in the pool while she was doing that. And he adjusted his goggles when he looked up and saw a shape in the water, just floating. And he realized it was a toddler oh no specifically a three-year-old named omari and omari had been underwater for three minutes without anyone noticing oh no face down because it's so quiet yeah when it happens three minutes is a long time um colby carried omari out of the pool And Colby brought him to his mom, to Omari's mom, not Colby's mom. Um, He brought the baby to his own mom, Kiana, who started screaming, my baby, my baby. Someone called for Severia, who, remember, was an RN. RN. Yeah, and she ran to Omari and found him limp, blue, not breathing, and without a pulse. Being underwater for so long had caused his tongue to swell, so his airway was blocked, And she began CPR, continuing even when he started vomiting like on her and praying to God to bring him back. And she was delivering rescue breaths when Omari regurgitated water. And she pulled back and started kissing him and whispering, say something to me, baby. And she felt him cough and then start slightly breathing again. So she very carefully carried him to the police and firefighters who arrived. But she would not hand him over until paramedics got there. And Omari survived, made a full recovery, and Colby was given a Citizen Youth Award.
0: Oh, my gosh. I fucking love that. I know.
1: Oh, pools freak me out. Yeah, they should.
0: <laughs> Cody's Cody's um, dad and stepmom, they um, have paid for lessons for the kids. But then COVID happened, so we couldn't do it last year.
1: Uh, yeah. And
0: then we bought this house. And I don't know if laws are different, but our neighbor has a pool. And it's Ugh. just, there's no fence, And it freaks me out, because I'm like, knock on wood, have never had a kid, like, walk outside. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, open the door unattended. Yeah. Um
1: God, but that, that is, is like it
0: scares the shit out of me we i love that we finally got a fence in our backyard but it's like oh my gosh it just freaks yeah. me out because the way it's set up is like um because they have like a carport so you literally could just like walk through the carport mm-hmm. right into their pool
1: well i I'm gonna i mean make a and, vow to the universe right now that when i am old and retired and don't have kids anymore if i ever have a pool i will still make it child safe well i for some reason i thought
0: like that was the law i didn't realize that not every state i don't think it is if you don't have kids at home i don't know i always thought it was like a new thing to where it's like um or maybe it's one of those grandfathered in things. You know what I mean? I don't, know.
1: I don't know if it's a law here at all because I know that um, there are obviously restrictions about it if you want to be a foster parent and you have a body of water or pool in your property. Um, and I know that a lot of people are like, oh my God, I'm getting a license. And, you know, what do I have to do about my pool? So I assume that means it wasn't already done. Right. So I don't know if that's required here at all for the average person. So thank god for colby and yeah. into our next one which you will recognize because this is yours your <gasps> addition to this uh do you remember your addition i do i do okay. i'm really excited about it's this really good it's a really good one um years before colby was even born back when jabbar was still coming into the world in the new orleans projects another baby boy was born and this one was named jonathan he grew up, he became a printer repairman, he had 3 kids and a partner named Crystal. In his 20s, Jason discovered country music and something in it spoke to him like a lot. He had an eclectic taste in music, but he really did love country and he loved attending concerts. So, in I don't I don't know if this is maybe a regional thing. So I'm just going to like acknowledge what is for me, the elephant in the room here, which is that locally for me, country music is like real segregated.
0: I think it's getting better. I I don't know if
1: better is the right word. Yeah. Like there have been some kind of crossover artists recently, but as far as people who listen to country music here, I mean, it's not going to be black people a lot. (laughs) It's just not. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm. I'm not trying to say anything shitty about anyone. No. That. I'm just saying that at least here, that's unusual.
0: I don't know. It it could be a regional thing. I don't know. Do you know. feel
1: like that's unusual where you are? Um. I see. It lo- I know the vibe is completely different in like New Orleans area.
0: Yeah. Well, I haven't. I haven't really ventured out and made many friends since we've lived here <laughs> because, you yeah. know, we we moved and then a pandemic and yeah. then, um. But in California, I mean, it wasn't really that segregated there. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy to me. Um, it, it's I maybe it's just more I and. You know, I'm from Kentucky, so I feel like I'm allowed to say this, but like more in those like <laughs> hillbilly areas, you know, yeah. where uh-huh. where it's still there's still a lot of racism that yes. exists. Yes, it still feels very segregated.
1: Yes, I'm like I don't want to make any weird big statements about like. Country music people are all racist, or you know, no, because don't listen to country music, no, because that's it's not it, yeah, no, but there at least here, there's a lot of overlap between you know, people who fly the Confederate flag and people who listen to country music and people who have very right leaning politics and racists, and uh, you right, know, probably because of that, there's not a ton of overlap where I'm used to being, but. Jonathan was a black man and he did love country music and I I feel like maybe it isn't actually the way it is here everywhere because he like in 2017 his friend was turning 43 and they got tickets along with seven other friends and relatives I think mostly relatives to a Jason Aldean show in Vegas to celebrate so I mean We've got at least nine people here all yeah. going to a Jason Aldean concert. So it can't be that rare. Like, here, I feel like that would just be so unusual. But right. maybe not there. Um, it was a nighttime show. Everybody was in an awesome mood, singing along to the songs, moving closer to the stage. I feel like all of that was, like, real problematic. But I just so don't mean it to be.
0: No, no. Yeah, you're fine.
1: Um. So they are staying in there, moving closer to the stage, and then they hear some fireworks start up. But they were not fireworks, as you have probably figured out. Um, Jason Aldine, or at least Jason Aldine's people, figured it out before Jonathan and his friends. And when Jason Aldine ran off stage, the crowd started to realize those were gunshots. And this was not some kind of parking lot fight gone south. Somebody was firing into the crowd, hitting people all around them. And nobody knew it yet, but a 64-year-old gambler was on the 32nd floor of a hotel shooting into the crowd. It was a
0: fucking mess.
1: Mowing down concertgoers. And it's not a few people. It was dozens and then hundreds falling around them. And there's a lot of video of the shooting and the most disturbing thing for me about it. I mean, there's a lot that's disturbing because there's a lot of footage of this. Because this, I mean, this shooting went on for 15 minutes of just almost constant gunshots. Mm -hmm. And that is, for me, the most disturbing thing about this is how constant they were. They thought it
0: was multiple people Uh for a while.
1: Yeah. We moved
0: moved right after this, so that's why it's like, (laughs) it feels like
1: yesterday, you know? They went through, the shooter went through 24 guns. And 22 of them were fully or semi-automatic. And the sound was just endless for an unbelievably long time. Um, Jonathan's group was told to link hands and run. And they did at first. But this is kind of where that split happens. Where it's supposed to be fight or flight. And you can't fight an invisible shooter. And I mean, you really have to remember that we know what was going on now. But no one else did. And it was just shots were coming from somewhere. And hitting hundreds of people. But you can't fight somebody that you can't see, so there's nothing to fight. And everything in your body is just honed and optimized to get you the fuck away from the situation. So you can't fault anyone who does. I'm not trying to say that at all. But, I mean, it's literally what you're made to do. But the people in these stories always end up saying that they just did what anyone would do. And it's not true. It's just not true. Right. Not everybody would break free from their friends and backtrack away from safety to run back to the stage and grab people yelling active shooter active shooter let's go and making them run with this authority that just made them believe he knew what to do and that's what he did later he said it was just adrenaline an impulse to help as many people as possible but that's not what adrenaline is right that's not what adrenaline does adrenaline is not an impulse to help people adrenaline triggers the fight or flight response and this right. is neither right this is really neither he i mean i don't doubt that he had an adrenaline burst but this wasn't a function of it this was him overriding its normal function to save lives he's a fucking badass yes and it i've i actually have heard this line a few times in from people in this episode And, I mean, I actually did a deep dive on how adrenaline functions to make sure I wasn't missing something. But that is literally not what adrenaline does. Right. Um, I mean, this adrenaline does something. But doing what he did. I mean, like, later there's a guy who rushes a shooter. And that's probably adrenaline. Because there's somebody to fight. And he's fighting them. But that's that's not how that works. So there was some confusion in the crowd and right out of the gate, there were some people yelling, it's fireworks. Stop running. It's fireworks in one video. And in another, you can hear a woman say, it doesn't sound like gunshots. And the other one says it is though. So it's, I think that's particularly significant because when I first read this, It was somewhat lost on me, like not the heroism of what he did, because whether it needed to happen or not, holy shit, but kind of the necessity, because you would think people would already be running with or without him telling them to run. Right. Um, So, you know, it was super messy. Yes, it was super messy, super confusing. You watch videos and it's real weird because there will be like packs of people kind of running together, but then other just huge parts of the crowd just kind of standing there.
0: Yeah, because it's it's Vegas, so there is fireworks and there's tons of stuff going on
1: all the time so yeah well, it's just the videos are really strange. So when I when I first read this and I feel like God I'm always saying things that make me sound like such a jerk. I don't I'm, I'm not really. Um, but when I first read it, it was like there's a shooter firing into the crowd. He was almost safe, then he goes back and tells people to run, and I'm like, "I mean, that's great, but surely they knew like you know mm. did you know it's one thing to like go back and drag people out of wherever if they're injured or something or jump in front of a bullet, but like you should go back and tell people to run I mean surely they knew, but they didn't <laughs> That's the yeah. thing they didn't. There are so many videos where it's like you hear people debating whether it's gunshots and then you'll hear someone saying there's bodies laying on the ground and somebody else is like, but it sounds like fireworks. And they're like, look, there's bodies on the, the ground. shock. Yeah. Um, so it, it, with that being the vibe, somebody going back and authoritatively telling people to run is a whole different thing. Right. Completely different thing. Um, And that is when he got hit. He got hit in the neck and the arm, but he didn't stop. He kept moving through the crowd, pulling people to safety, as blood poured down his chest and soaked his clothes. An off-duty cop named Tommy saw him and knew it was not good. He got Jonathan, he packed his gunshot wounds with a shirt, and then he plugged them with his own fingers as jonathan faded from consciousness and told tommy he didn't want to die and tommy flagged down a truck the truck drove him to the hospital and tommy stayed with him the entire time he had been hit in the neck and the arm and the doctors were not able to remove the bullet from his neck it's like at the base Mm -hmm. and he still lives with it there he also had a bruised lung a cracked rib and a broken collarbone and i mean he didn't stop until he was losing consciousness yeah. He recovered well and he went viral when he was discharged from the hospital. And um they they attributed over thirty people saved to him. Because of him, yeah. Uh huh. Just because of him. Um so he he kinda went viral when he left and Tommy the cop saw a picture of him online and realized that he had lived when he drove Jonathan to the hospital. He was barely able to stay awake, and he was positive he he wouldn't have survived. And they connected after that, and they formed a lasting friendship. Jonathan still calls Tommy his brother, and he says he never left his side. But Tommy also saw that as standard behavior, and he said, Through this tragedy, I remember, nobody suffered alone. When people were dying, and there was somebody there holding their hands or holding them in their arms, comforting them. When people had injuries, no matter how severe it was, people were trying to get them to safety. Nobody suffered alone. And there's that's actually really striking also in the pictures from this. There are a lot of people who are injured or maybe dead, I don't know, laying in like open spaces, like in a, a field or the floor, and there will be somebody just laying with them. Right. I feel like I saw this a lot more in this set of pictures than I have you know, most similar things. So... He, wife after the shooting, I mean, it will not come as a surprise. It was not easy. He was received as a hero. There was nothing problematic about him or no, no backlash or anything, which you, in 2017 to now, you can't assume. Um, he was definitely received as a hero. A Vietnam veteran, I love this, actually mailed him his own purple heart. I didn't know that. Yeah he sent him the one he earned. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And a seventh grader sent him a letter with Romans 8, 18 on it, which says the pain you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming, which um, Jonathan wanted to get tattooed near where his wristband had been. Um, he, he had survived the worst shooting in modern U.S. history it killed 61 people and it injured over 800. Yeah. Over 400 of the people who were injured were shot. <sighs> so, I mean, about 500 people but between the people who were killed and people who were injured. Obviously, there were some other people who were injured, like in trampling kind of things and just various ways. But over 400 of them were actually shot. And it left way more than just physical scars. A year after the shooting, I don't know if this is still true because he kind of disappeared after like the one year mark, but a year after the shooting, he had not taken off his concert wristband. Maybe to make more tangible the fact that he never fully left that show. He got a job that required long hours of driving and he had such frequent panic attacks in the car that he got his windows tinted for privacy. Oh my gosh. He got a Xanax script. He got a PTSD diagnosis. Can't tolerate fireworks. He got chronic, constant pain from his injuries. He got a new career goal to become a cop. And he got a community of 20,000 survivors who would recognize his wristband in public because they'd had the same wristband. And, you know, it must have been something to cut that off later that night. So they would see his and they'd say, oh... And he stayed connected with that community long after this was over. Yeah, he refused to be used as a prop at memorial events. So he he focused really hard on staying very close with the people who'd been there, and he called them his country family. Mm. Yeah, I wish the country family wasn't so shitty in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually a country music fan too, but it's it's hard to be because I, it's yeah. so icky here
0: yeah i love his story so much thank you so much for covering thank it. you
1: for giving it to me i loved it we moved it. yeah we moved there and I got a lot from our friend cody also i'm not done but i got oh it's from okay our cody.
0: yeah we moved um we moved to vegas right after that happened mm. um there was just it was <laughs> that was a messy messy move and i love that i've loved that story for years and years yeah. so it's really cool to revisit it
1: I always try, when I can, to get into the aftermath of these, and I don't know why. I, I don't quite know what my deal is with there, because- with that Cause Because we're nosy it, bitches. I mean, we are, but it would be a tidier story to just be like, and then he was a hero. But, I don't know, I kind of hate that. I I know I talk about this a lot, but I think that this kind of goes back to my- extreme discomfort with how people reacted to my coma. Um, I just I, I don't know. Things like this, it's not And honestly, this is a conversation that I feel like has died down during COVID for obvious reasons, but as far as like shooting situations, I think that we need to be careful with stories where it's like There was a bad guy, but then a good guy stopped him because it kind of makes it seem like it's all just fine at the end of the day. There should have never been the fucking bad guy. There should have never been the fucking bad guy. And the good guy is real fucked up now. And that's, that's unfortunate. These things, you know, going back to the very beginning of the last episode with the guy who fought off all the Germans and then was absolutely ruined for the rest of his life. These things take chunks out of people. And it sucks. Yeah, it sucks bad. So, I don't know. I don't... I. It would be a tidier story. And, I mean, there, there are things that I've left out of various stories for various reasons. It would have just been too long. It would have been too messy. It would have been um, kind of buying into some media bullshit. You name it. But I try not to leave that out. And I'm... It's been almost a year. I'm slowly unpacking why I don't like to leave that out. <laughs> So moving on, we're getting hot and heavy into our current timeline now. So everyone's kind of on top of each other at this point. Um, When Jonathan was a toddler, there was a baby born in Nashville, Tennessee. This one was named James after his dad. And this is kind of the exact same kind of story I just said we have to be careful about, but I don't really have a lot of aftermath information. One night in 2018, he was almost 30. He did the thing that we've all done, which is going into Waffle House at 3 a.m.
0: I love a Waffle House
1: at 3 a.m. Oh, I think that's the only time Waffle House at exists. What? I I, I I don't think there's a Waffle House during the day. <laughs> I no. just I think that the only time it's like a portal that opens from like 1 a.m. to 6 a.m.
0: God, it sounds so good. Some scattered, covered, smothered,
1: chunked. Okay, well, calm down. Maybe this story will help you. As I as doubt pr- it. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I really do too. As is prone to happening in Waffle Houses at 3 a.m., shit went crazy. <laughs> this is a very Waffle House at 3 a.m. story. Um, a dude named Travis came in naked, except for a jacket with an ar-15 and he opened fire in the restaurant which is weird because that happened at a denny's like exactly where i grew up and it was like immediately where i lived when it actually See, happened. i was
0: gonna say like shit goes down in
1: denny's not waffle house okay. now I, i'm just confused. i would argue that it's it's a lot of pancake houses between 1 and 6 a.m I don't actually think that our Denny shooting was in the night, but we did have like a very similar Denny shooting in our state um, when I was a kid. Anyway, so dude comes in. He is naked except for a jacket. He's got an AR-15 and he opens fire in the restaurant. Immediately, eight people were hit. Four of them were dead, which is the problem with military grade weapons for civilians. But that's none of my business until it is. Eight people were hit. Four of them were dead. Do you like my songs?
0: <laughs> Love your songs.
1: <laughs> Probably no one else does. Um, Travis shot at James. He missed. And then James ducked into the bathroom, which was Waffle House. So, I mean, kind of out of the frying pan into the fire there. Right. Uh, Travis continued firing. Have you been in a Waffle House bathroom? Oh, yeah. It's They're... the dark part of the portal. Yeah.
0: It's yeah. the armpit. Yeah. It's the... It's the taint
1: uh, so, <laughs> let's be honest. um travis continued firing and then from the bathroom james heard him stop to reload and he saw his moment so he charged out of the bathroom and rushed travis he grabbed the searing hot rifle with his bare hands burned himself burned his hand and arm and had to get like medical treatment for it threw it across the restroom charged travis again and forced him out the door <laughs> And Travis ran into the night, wound up captured and arrested four days later, despite being some dude running into the night naked. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, As usual, James said he was not a hero. He said he just wanted to stay alive. When interviewers asked him, you're going to love this, when interviewers asked him if he had combat training, which he didn't. He was an electrician. He said, I just fight my daughter every night so I can put her to bed. Oh
0: my goodness. I love that.
1: I don't know how old she was. But there was a picture from around this time, and she looked maybe three or four. Oh my gosh. That is like the most adorable. Relatable. Thing. So relatable. <laughs> yeah. But Chadwick Boseman, the actor, I may be saying that wrong, disagreed that he was just a regular guy. And when he won the Best Superhero Award at the MTV Movie Awards, James had been invited, and Chadwick said, Receiving an award for playing a superhero is amazing, but it's even greater to acknowledge the heroes that we have in real life. So I just wanted to acknowledge somebody that's here today. James Shaw Jr., where are you? Stand. If you don't know James Shaw Jr., he fought off a gunman in T- in Tennessee at a Waffle House. He saved lives. Come up here. When James got on stage, Chadwick gave him the award and said, This is going to live at your house. Oh, man. Yeah. Can we just talk about how wonderful
0: Chadwick Boseman is as well? I mean, was. I know, but
1: yeah. it's really sad. And I believe at this point, he, um, when that happened, I think that he was living with a secret cancer diagnosis that he had not right. announced yet. So, okay. The next one is short and weird. Very short. Very weird. I'm bothered. I'm five short and, and weird. Four. How tall are you? 5'2". God, you're five eight in my head (laughs) you really truly are a tall person to me you have very tall person energy and i'm you have a tall person face i'm just really disturbed (laughs) i think about this a lot um so when james was an adolescent in tennessee another little baby hero was born a thousand miles away in connecticut or maybe new york i don't know this one was named Justin. Situation takes place in Connecticut, but I think I read that he actually lived in Brooklyn. So They're all kind of like yeah, there. Yeah, over there. I, I'm from the Midwest. It's all, it's all just a blob. You're going to get some... A. Connecticut's going to sue it's, you. <laughs> I mean, how many people can there be in Connecticut to sue me? I don't, I don't care. So when James was 18, he left his house in Waterbury to walk to a Walgreens when he saw some fucked up shit. It was an SUV driving past with a woman and three kids inside, and the SUV was on fire. What? Okay. I scoured the internet, and I could not solve this mystery. He says people were honking at her to tell her her car was on fire, and he was screaming, stop the car, your car is on fire, and that the woman was driving erratically. So, how did she not know her car was on fire? I'm not trying to victim blame. I just need to know cuz like is that a thing that can happen? Is that a thing I need to add to my daily anxiety bingo board? Is my car on fire? Uh, if she didn't know, why was she driving erratically? Right. I was so frustrated by this that I almost didn't Okay, the story. so she
0: was driving erratically while fire. her because her car was on fire
1: or well, but she it, didn't Everyone makes it sound like they were notifying her that her car was on fire
0: okay here's my theory please have you ever driven a car while it's on fire have you pretty close i <laughs> what the fuck melanie long story Anyway, so there's lots of smoke so she's probably driving erratically because of the smoke maybe she didn't see the fire you know okay. what i mean
1: sure Maybe it was just the smoke, Maybe and she's she driving erratically because messing up her driving. But she didn't know. Plot twist: you were actually on fire, right? Okay. Maybe it was just okay. like yeah. a. That's a more satisfactory, ex- yeah, more satisfactory explanation than anything I found. So if she didn't know, I don't know, but he. I almost didn't include this because it bothered me so much, but he deserves to be on the list. So he didn't know if this car was about to explode. He thought it was, but he chased it down. He finally reached it, got it to stop. And the handle was hot to the touch, but he got it open. And he pulls out the mom. And then he yelled for the oldest child, which is a nine-year-old, to unbuckle her siblings who were four and one. And as soon as he pulled the last child out, the entire SUV was swallowed by flames. It happens fast. Uh-huh. And the police gave him a challenge coin, which kind of sounds like bullshit, but he received it wearing a Rugrats hoodie, which is all my 90s heart ever needed. <laughs> I adore that. that. That needs to be like our, our main picture for this because it, it thrills me so much.
0: This is the Melanie um, pop culture where you got me. I never watched old- that. I never watched Rugrats. I
1: think it probably would have been like five or so years before, well, after your time.
0: I don't think it was because I was old. I think it was because I was didn't have Nickelodeon. (laughs) Isn't that what it was on?
1: Since that's your your excuse for things, (laughs) I guess that would be synonymous with old.
0: In my twenties and my thirties, I had a really good time. (laughs) You know. Now I have. Now I am straight and narrow. Sometimes.
1: I've had some conversations with you (laughs) that (laughs) call that into question. (laughs) So we're nearing the end. Our next hero was born decades before Justin in 1970, and his name was Patrick, and he lived in the UK. He grew up with a single mom. He got into a little bit of trouble as a teenager, but for his mom's sake, he stopped. And then as a young adult, he connected with his dad. He went into IT, and then later in life became a sports coach. By the time our story happened, Patrick was a dad and a granddad, and his deal was that he wanted to safeguard young Black Lives Matter protesters when things were really heating up last summer. So he and four friends decided that he needed to attend a protest in London just in case, and he said... We knew how aggressive it could be. We knew we had to be there to protect vulnerable Black Lives Matter protesters and protect our black boys from harm. And this was not a whim or an impulse for him. He and his friends had specifically formed a group they called Arc Security because they were like super jacked fitness guys with (laughs) martial arts training. So they created this group to protect protesters. And they headed to the protest in London one of Patrick's four buddies said the five of us are all capable guys. When you are someone who's capable in that way of protecting yourself and others, there's a kind of awareness you have every time you step out of your house on that Saturday, most of the people there were not capable untrained. It filled me with confidence to be with those other four guys that I was with the right guys, people with a sense of control and responsibility, which is as you'll see very true. This round of everything had started with the murder of George Floyd. And the BLM protests got real intense. And some right-wing people started counter-protesting. Things continued to escalate. Somebody knocked over a statue of a slave trader. And then a bunch of white dudes started banding together saying they wanted to protect historic monuments. But while oh. they were there protesting this... One of them peed on a statue of a cop who was killed in a terrorist attack. Oh. It seems to me that a lot of these men were basically um, aging football hooligans. And I'm not just saying that. Like, they literally were. And it seems that they have just transferred that energy to shit political takes and produce. Right. So... Patrick and his men showed up to this mess, and they encountered violence and threatened violence almost immediately. They intervened and diffused a few issues, kept moving. Then things started ugly. They stayed ugly as the day continued. It just, it was really bad, really bad. Um, And then a fight started, and a 55-year-old white white right-wing retired cop named Bryn went down in the fray a mob formed around him and they were punching him while he was down, curled up in the fetal position. I am not 100% clear on what he did that led to this. So, I mean, given what I know about how this protest was going, there were a lot of racial slurs being screamed. um, It wasn't good. And I think that I can probably make some safe inferences that... Uh This was not a random attack, but to be fair, I don't know that. So the police were not intervening. They were just watching. And some of the cops were even filming it. And Patrick and Bryn were not at all on the same side. But Patrick had not come here to watch a man be beaten to death. And later he would say, just because somebody's up to no good doesn't mean you have to kill them. So he... Moved over to Bryn, his four capable friends formed a circle around him, and Patrick threw him over his shoulder in a fireman's carry and carried him to the police, dodging punches as he walked and saving Brynn's life. The image immediately became very iconic. He ended up writing a book with a poet called Everyone Versus Racism. And he has said that he couldn't stomach watching this guy be killed but honestly i love his explanation of why he saved britain because i think that the narrative that these counter protesters can kind of just threaten people and hurt people and scream abuse at people and it's all whatever but then this guy is just so altruistic it's a little problematic Right. I'm I'm not saying it's not good. It's certainly heartwarming. And, you know, it, it hits a certain feel-good button in you. But, I mean, it's a little... It's a little problematic. I think. Right. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, it's saying, take, take this shit, but, you know, at the end of the day, still protect these people. Because, you know, white lives matter. So... That's not entirely his reason. He did say that he didn't want to watch this guy be beaten to death, but I think that it is very important to get into his real explanation of why he did this. He said Some people have asked me why I bothered saving him, and I understand their frustration, but my natural instinct is to protect the vulnerable. If that man had died, the whole Black Lives Matter movement would have been torpedoed. Young black men would have gone to prison and had their lives ruined. I wasn't just protecting that guy. I was protecting us. And another time, he said, one of the reasons we were there was to protect and oversee and stop the young people from doing things they may regret. Because once they've done that thing and they go in front of the justice system, they're not going to be fairly treated. We know that. So I would just pull them aside and give them a quick word and say, listen, you know, you're here to demonstrate. Don't do anything silly. Don't do anything you're going to regret later on because there are police cameras everywhere. They're filming what you're doing, every movement you make, so just make sure you're here to demonstrate and demonstrate only. Don't let yourself get mixed up in or involved in any tear-ups. Just stay cool and everything will be fine. And I was just reiterating that message to all the youngsters that I knew. As well as, anything that descends into violence, you lose the message. (sighs) And he never heard from Bryn again. He was never thanked for saving his life. Really? Nope. Although, Brynn did an interview and said, I'm not a racist, just a passionate Brit.
0: Ugh, I hate the I'm not a racist <laughs> argument. It's, it was probably followed
1: by, I have a black friend. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, I that is... A messier narrative than the one that that story would have you think on the surface. Right. Um, It has very, uh, you're wrong about the podcast vibes, I think. I love that podcast. I do. Oh my God, I do too. But I think that it's really important because I just, I'm concerned about this whole, oh look, they saved a white guy's life narrative when He had a reason, and that reason was perfectly fucking noble. Right. And it does not need to be about helping white people for it to be noble and important and heroic. Mm Mm-hmm. So. And finally, you ready to wrap this up? No, I am actually not, because (laughs) these have been my favorite episodes. (laughs) Well, okay. I think you'll like I think you'll like our closer here. In December of twenty twenty, Barry Allen was thirsty. So he, you know where this is? You know what this is? Go ahead. Okay. So he did what anyone would do. And he <laughs> walked into his friendly local circle K in Ohio for a cold, refreshing, twisted tea. <laughs> <laughs> Number two reveal after the Oceaneer Club. Unfortunately for everyone, a little white dude was already there and was already hurling the N word at two black employees who were clearly uncomfortable but couldn't do anything because they were working. So,
0: Barry. Which, fuck that. I'm so tired of this shit. Can we change the customer is always right
1: bullshit? Absolutely. I used to work at Target. The customer almost always wrong. I try to remember that when I go into Target, which is I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> I have a lifelong humility. You just you just walk in with your head yes. your head I'm lower, sorry. And you're like, I'm sorry. I'm one of them now, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so Barry got his drink, and he hoped that this particular member of the general public would leave. But he didn't, and unfortunately, for that little white dude, he continued to run his mouth in line, and <laughs> Barry, this guy was drunk as a skunk, Barry asked him to quit with the n word. I don't think he really had any interest in tangling with him beyond that. he just I feel like the patience that
0: Barry had oh my
1: God, I watched this thing a million it times, is like super I human. wanted
0: to knock him the fuck out immediately. <laughs>
1: All right, go ahead, sorry. This part is not on video, but in the beginning, apparently what happened was that he just asked this guy to knock it off the N-word, and this guy starts screaming at him, and he says, fuck your mama, but unfortunately, Barry's mother had died two years ago, and in fact, the anniversary of her death was coming up the day after Christmas, and it was not the right, it was not the right line for him. He failed to read the room. He said... Uh I'm not trying to disrespect you. I'm going to say N-word all day, every day, while getting in his face and yelling, where are you from, N-word? Where the fuck are you from? You're a clown, N-word. And finally, he says, smack me, smack me. <laughs> and Barry dropped his tea, I think on accident initially. And then when he bent down to get it, this this guy starts kicking at him, just like one quick kick but that was enough barry grabbed his twisted tee, stood up wound up his twisted tee, and whammed this guy right in the face <laughs> i mean it was the most satisfying moment ever caught on film how many times did you watch that i today alone probably 15 it's so good So old boy came up swinging, but he was tiny compared to Barry, and Barry easily got him to the ground and delivered about five good punches and yelled, call me another fucking N-word, I don't give a fuck, and hauled him (laughs) to his feet and held him in a headlock for a minute before letting him go. It's worth noting that this little twerp was the only person in the store not wearing a mask, by the way. (laughs) and a woman this is in ohio a woman with a delightful midwestern accent filmed the encounter narrating it like honey badger style with full support of barry (laughs) she like she's standing there and she's like he's gonna get it he's gonna get it he's gonna get what's well he got it (laughs) and she uploaded it like instantly i don't know if she just like plugged it in the viral machine but barry got in the car outside called his wife and said i hit a guy in the face with a can and she said i know i'm watching it and he was viral before he drove the two blocks home i
0: didn't realize it was that fast
1: Uh he said by the time he got home it had five thousand views oh my gosh two blocks away And the police did not press charges. For once, they did something right. Yep, like I told you, good, bad, and indifferent cops in this one. (laughs) Oh my god, the memes that came from that. I, I really... I didn't end up wanting to mess with copyright and making the audio guy's job harder, but I really wanted to, like, splice in, like, a... And then a hero comes the long line from the Mariah Carey song in here. <laughs> at this, in this one. <laughs> so just imagine that. Oh my gosh, that one's so good. And that's it. Brianne, that was amazing. That was amazing. So you want to do disaster relief? I would love
0: to do some disaster relief. Okay. Tell me yours. Okay, I have two. Okay, I have one. One of them's an update. Okay. So, ramen who? Um. I finally dug into my Tokyo treat box. It's so good. Like, I'm over the ramen thing. So, they have peach parfait Kit Kats. Mmm. I have never, tased, never tasted something so glorious in my whole entire life. Now I have to figure out how to get Tokyo Treat to sponsor us because we need these boxes. They had um, a melon cream soda. Like, every box comes with a drink.
1: Oh, that sounds yummy.
0: Oh, it was so good. And I took little, because um, I don't give my kids sodas. Cause um I don't I don't know I, don't I grew up in Kentucky I, I seen either. so many kids with no teeth and yeah no. um but I took little their little mouthwash cups and I gave them each a sample and they thought it was the coolest oh, thing in the world adorable but yeah we had the cream soda and Ava loved everything in the box um couple of the things were a little too fishy for people but it was like half like candy stuff and half like chips like snacking so it's so good um that i actually emailed them not to find out where my ramen was but to have them move my april box up sooner so it should be in next week and i'm really excited about it so yes i really love my tokyo treat box it sounds very cool and then my second one is we went to the zoo
1: tell me about that i've seen pictures so we They're haven't mostly cool, not a hundred percent. Okay,
0: I saw that you commented no on the white alligator. I
1: need reptiles to not be flesh colored. It was really cool looking. Hmm. Okay, so. <laughs> so we went, but
0: we went. Can't support um, you. In this. <laughs> so it was the first kind of like big thing that we've done, like. With the pandemic, like as far as family, yeah. Um, so I was really impressed. Like, pretty much everyone was wearing the mask. They had, um, the zoo people were walking around with signs. Like, if they saw like people's noses poking out, they're like, Hey, 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 you know, yeah, it was, it was, I was really super impressed. And the way the um, tick you had to buy like time slots. So
1: I don't know. think that's how ours is doing it too. We're planning a zoo trip for like a week or two from now. And I I think it's the same with the time slots.
0: Yeah. So somebody in Ava's class was telling her that they saw a river otter like around here. They did not know what they were going to start. And she has been like obsessed. And so we look on the internet. We do YouTube. Like check out. But it's just not the same. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, in the Audubon Zoo in New Orleans, there's a whole section. I don't know if it was you or Tag, but someone was like, "Why do you have raccoons in your zoo?" <laughs> it was Tag, uh, but I would like an answer too. <laughs> okay, so there's a whole um, swamp, like a Louisiana Louisiana swamp section in our zoo. It's fucking cool. Like, it's like all the Louisiana, like the alligators um the river otters that that white alligator there's even like um uh the swamp cemetery like they did a they like a cemetery exhibit in there it's so fucking cool i love this zoo um but yeah ava got to see the river otters and she like cried Oh and I was like, Are you okay? And she's like, They're happy tears, they're happy tears. She she feels things super hard like I do. And this lady I look over and there's this like older lady next to me and she started crying because Ava was crying about river otters. And then I started crying about river otters and so it was like that river otters, like what the fuck? Well, it was just really cool because it's like it's a river otter. I mean it's like it looks like a little I mean, it's a swimming weasel, no, you know what I mean? But I bet it, that
1: River otter does not get that reaction too often. <laughs>
0: that's what I'm saying, like as far as like I mean, she just turned seven, you would think that like
1: most kids pick other
0: animal like river otters doesn't seem like the first choice for favorite animal, but yeah. it's her no and but it was just really cool because this past year's been super shitty, and my kids haven't done anything. we haven't. And so just to kind of, like, have that experience and be able to give that to her, it was just, it may, I'm going to start, start crying. It just no. made me so happy to be a
1: mom. Oh, that's beautiful. And so, I bet that River Otter is doing a podcast right now, and I bet this is their disaster relief, too. <laughs> so, yeah, I love the zoo, and I love my kids. That's it. <laughs> oh, God. I can't cry because I'm dead inside. Um, (laughs) Okay, honey, what's yours? And I am awkwardly patting your back from across (laughs) the miles. My, uh, my awkward cry responses do not know time or space. Oh my gosh! I don't even know how to handle my own emotions. I'm real awkward
0: when other people are like going through stuff. I'm like, "What do you need? Do you want me to talk? Do you want me not talk?" <laughs> like, I'm not just too tell me. Just
1: terrible with like support for bad things. But I, as you know, and as everyone knows now, am a very awkward. Cry, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. I've been crying a lot oh, lately. No, don't be. I'm just. I'm very much a patter, So know that I am patting your back right now oh i love you what's yours i love you too i've actually already mentioned mine in this episode but i would like to double back because for some reason it's just it's kind of dumb it's really dumb but it's kind of giving me a lot of comfort this week
0: this is the second week in a row (sighs) where you said it's
1: dumb you have to my self-esteem problems
0: Do you got to stop, like, enjoy your stuff fully. Be more honey badger. It's not dumb. You love it. I do
1: enjoy it fully and I love it fully, but I can't quite explain why I'm finding it comforting at this moment in my life. But I am. And it is ghost honey on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) He's so soothing and gentle and he he has such chaotic, good energy I posted the Dave video that he did <laughs> with
0: the koalas.
1: Oh, God. Um, I guess I have also mentioned his videos. Oh, my God. Two two episodes in a row. Ghost hunting no, low self esteem. So good. We'll post
0: his other one too. But oh, his voice is so soothing. He reminds me of one of my girlfriends. Like, just his mannerisms. Mm. I don't know. I just want to, like,. I could hang out with him all day I long
1: know, i know and he's so beautiful
0: gorgeous i don't
1: mean this in like a creepy fetishizing way at all because i it just i don't because i'm not necessarily creepy like that and he's also not really like my type at all but i just love to look at him
0: yeah he's gonna look at him yeah he's beautiful
1: and did you know he's tall he looks tall i don't think he looks tall he no he looks tall I'm telling you. I I completely disagree. I think you're just backwards with this whole tall face thing. Objectively, I must be because these are facts and I do not perceive them that way. In my mind, he's actually quite short, but he's actually quite tall. And did you also know he recently did a cameo on Morbid? What? Uh Uh-huh. He was on a recent episode of Morbid, so there's hope for us. Oh, he
0: just we need to just whore him out to all the podcasts
1: (laughs) please come do you like disasters (laughs) no just us um yeah so tag it maybe he'll want to come on our podcast yeah no he was on um morbid just i don't know in the last couple months talking about the black-eyed children
0: oh i hate the black-eyed children i
1: love the black-eyed children (laughs)
0: I never knew what the black-eyed children was until you brought it up in the mom group. Remember that? No, not at all. What did I say? I'm pretty sure it was you that was like, hey, if we discussed black-eyed children before, and if not, can we? I'm pretty sure it was you. I really don't think it was. Oh, somebody did,
1: and then I looked it up, and now...
0: Yeah. Nope. Don't like it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was me. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just... I'm at... There's a meme that I read recently that said uh, something like literally just sitting in my bed right now with the anxiety levels of someone being hunted for sport. And that is also a mood lately. Uh Um, It is 99% of just a product of dealing with DCS as a foster parent. It is much more stressful than probably anyone realizes when you think about foster care and foster parenting and what the hard part is. It may not be what you think (laughs) there's a hard part, but it may be a different one than you're thinking. Um, And I have had very high anxiety levels lately. And for some reason, ghost honey's lovely soothing voice and um, implicit understanding that nothing is all right, but maybe one day it will be is getting me through. (laughs) Well, I think it's wonderful. So if that's your problem, maybe it'll get you through. I love your love. <laughs> Which, for what? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, for your
0: disaster, yes. <laughs> that's good. All
1: right, well, <sighs> let's wrap it up.
0: Well, I love this episode. Thank you very much for including my recommendation, To It means a lot. Thank you
1: for giving it to me. And thank you for our friend, Cody Rose, who consulted with me on some suggestions when this was still in the planning stage. She is back. so
0: wonderful. She
1: is. She does a lot of emotional labor as far as educating white people about things. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I have asked her a couple things about, you know, just... That's a little bit problematic on its own, but I I try to make sure that I'm being cognizant of emotional labor and not tokenizing. But she's been very open and educational with people, so I have touched base with her a couple times with things in the podcast, and she's been invaluable.
0: Yes, 1,000%. So. Yes.
1: All right. Good luck. All right.
0: Sweet dreams or no dreams. Hey, horrible goals. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your personal MarkSafe moment, you can send it to us at marksafepodcast at gmail.com. Please give our podcast a rate, review, and subscribe and tell your buddies about us too. That goes a long way. If you want to further elevate your support, check out our MarkSafe Patreon page where we have shout outs, goodies, and some bonus content in the works. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again. And as always, stay safe.